You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome once again to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet for... April 9th, 2021, episode 30 of season 3, episode 95 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show, coming to you from Greeley, Colorado, from what was formerly John and Enoch Mullet's bedroom, but is now the computer room. Today we're going to talk about gun control, but we're going to talk about a little more than gun control. We're going to talk about gun control and the Democrats' push for confiscation and registries and background checks and quote-unquote common sense measures in light of the history of repression of Republicans and black Americans in particular that the Democrat Party is notorious for. I'm learning some interesting things as I'm reading Ron Chernow's book Grant, his biography of the late president Ulysses S. Grant, or Unconditional Surrender Grant, or U.S. Grant, or Uncle Sam Grant, or Hiram, if you will, as his parents named him. Hiram Ulysses Grant was an interesting character, and I think I have not given him quite enough credit. He was not a perfect man, but he had a firm conviction that he should do what was right and that he should only approve of things that he believed in. He should not go along with the crowd if the many were pushing him in a certain direction. He wasn't inclined to just fold. He had some blind spots with regards to the character of the people around him. He was entirely too trusting of people who were not so trustworthy, and he didn't trust his instincts when he needed to on some points. He might have suspected and then felt bad about suspecting, felt bad that he was considering this person as disreputable or of ill repute. So then he would brush off his suspicions and he would trust them anyways, he would give them another chance, etc., etc. seems to me as though he was ideally suited for wartime and was out of place to some extent or another in peacetime because the values and the virtues which fell so heavily upon him when the Civil War happened, and even during Reconstruction when there were little flare-ups here and there as black Americans were being enfranchised and were being elected to House legislative seats Grant was really good at dealing with an open conflict, an open enemy. He was not so good at ferreting out secret friends. Secret friends who were not really on your side. They were on their side. They were here to take you for all they could. Grant aligned himself with radical Republicans. Radical Republicans during Reconstruction believed that Black Americans should be treated with the same respect and dignity that white Americans should be. 
that they should have the same protections under the law, they should have equal representation, that they should not be lynched and beaten and shot and stabbed and threatened and terrorized by the Ku Klux Klan. Radical Republicans insisted on full emancipation, not just emancipation in word only, and then you allow black Americans to be re-enslaved under some other misnomer, some euphemism. Radical Republicans were on principle opposed to the terrorism that was happening in the South and the Southern states. They were for protecting Republicans in those states who had been rightfully duly elected. They were for upholding the rule of law. They were for speaking of and treating black Americans with respect and dignity. Moderate Republicans being as they are in our day as well, were tired of all that. You guys keep banging that drum. You're a single-issue voter. Why do you have to go there all the time? Why can't we just get along? I think you're making too big of a deal out of this. Come on. The Democrats are not as bad as you're making it sound like. I think we should just let this play out. Let's see what happens. Democrats in the South were extremely hostile, murderously hostile, murderously hostile in public and out in the open. And in private letters to Grant and his wife and their family, in an organized fashion, they were opposed in the strongest possible terms, even threatening another civil war. They were opposed to black Americans being treated equally to white Americans in every respect, as though your black American is every bit as human, every bit as made in the image of God as you are, deserves the same consideration, the same protection, the same trust, the same esteem. The Democrats in the South might have lost the Civil War, and they might have lost their slaves, but by golly, they were going to insist that they were superior to these black Americans all around them. And these black Americans, meanwhile, voted Republican because they knew where their friends were. The moderate, squishy Republicans back then, as now, made that very difficult to determine, especially when Democrats changed their game. They stopped openly, violently persecuting black Americans in the ugly, obvious way that they had originally. And they started dressing it up as charity. We're helping these people. It's the Republicans' fault. The Democrat Party basically just re-enslaved black Americans in their districts, their cities, their counties, their states. They re-enslaved their minds. They bought them with welfare checks and public housing and a spurious endorsement of civil rights legislation. It was the Republican Party's loyalty to lose by being feckless, by deciding at a certain point we're tired of fighting evil 
and standing up for what's good and what's right. Men like Ulysses S. Grant didn't get tired, but plenty of others did, and they campaigned hard from the beginning to just let it go. Let what's going to happen happen. We're ready to be done with the fighting. A similar dynamic affected the American political structure after World War II, or on the heels of the very tail end of World War II. George S. Patton recognized rightly, it's worth noting, that the Soviet Union was as big or bigger a threat than Nazi Germany was. And so he was calling openly for Allied forces to not stop at Berlin and to keep on marching to Moscow. He rightly anticipated the Cold War, and he correctly identified the enemy. And he was assassinated, I'm convinced, because there were too many people in very powerful, dark places in American military structure and our intelligence agencies and our political apparatus who were just tired of fighting and who also found that if you get to decide when the conflict ends and you're poised with all of your business deals, timing is everything, somebody else wants to keep dragging this out, you don't know when it'll end. That's unpredictable. I could make some money right now. Let's just end this right now. Isn't that convenient that you bet heavily on ending this right now? All your ducks are in a row. You weren't ready to fight this. You stopped fighting a while back. You're not talking about stopping fighting soon. You stopped fighting a while ago. And you, Judas Iscariot, have pretended to be with us because you're trying to cash in on your 30 pieces of silver. The Democrats push for gun control legislation. They find they can't pass it because they don't have the votes because despite all of their desperate fraud they couldn't win a bigger majority in the house they lost ground in the house and they couldn't have a smaller grip on the senate a weaker grip on the senate they couldn't have hardly any less legitimacy in the white house and still have a man in the White House. So what they'll do instead is Biden will issue executive actions. He'll falsely claim that our gun violence in this country is an epidemic. It's just time. Look at all these other countries that have passed common sense, quote-unquote, gun control legislation. It's embarrassing, it's wrong, it's moral, it's ungodly that we haven't done similar. Do you know what, President Biden? I think it's immoral, and it's embarrassing, and it's ungodly, and it's wicked that your party and you personally are for mutilating boys and girls because you're so addicted to victims needing you. You changed up the game, and instead of you enslaving people directly like you used to, you enslave them mentally and emotionally and financially. You make them dependent on you 
by convincing them that they are victims and that only you can save them. Yet your solutions always seem to make more poverty, more weakness, more despair. Your solutions always seem to make more dependence on the government necessary. And as that happens and people are less able to take care of their own problems, everything falls apart, but you don't care. We'll just get more abortions for poor people. You trace that movement called Planned Parenthood back to its inception. It was about stopping those who were considered unfit to breed from reproducing. It was about purging the gene pool of Eastern Europeans and blacks and Jews. It was about eliminating people who had illness and criminality and mental illness. It was about perfecting society. And now you guys murder children, innocent babies by the millions. And yet you want to lecture Republicans. We try sometimes in many quarters to stand up to you. You want to lecture us about violence, about innocent people dying. You want to pass a red flag legislation. But you can't, so you're going to issue executive action. You want to try and keep me from buying ammunition for my firearms. You want to limit where I can get firearms and from who and how much of a process they have to go through before they can transfer it to me to make it complicated, to make it difficult. And yet, ironically, your party wants to boycott Georgia because they just passed voter ID laws. Ain't that something? If somebody has to show a photo ID in order to vote, that is obstruction. That's election interference. That's immoral. It's unethical. We can't even play baseball in that state. Come on, man. But what you're doing with our Second Amendment rights, even as your party has unleashed hell on this country, It is so typical, I find, as I read Ron Chernow's book, Grant, the Democrats for 150 years have felt threatened and beside themselves with rage against Republicans daring to have power, political representation, military power, the ability to defend themselves. You don't want Republicans being able to win elections being able to stop your angry, violent mob from coming and disrupting their political rally, threatening to burn their businesses. You Democrats have been doing this since the late 19th century, at least. It's so classic. It's evil. And the flip side is that the moderate, squishy Republicans have been caving into this and conceding and laying down and rolling over for the Democrats who do this for just as long. The moderate, squishy Republicans lose time and again because they don't want to win. They lose because they want to lose. They don't want to win, so why are they even playing? Why don't they just go home? If they don't have the balls, they should just be quiet and leave 
these matters to the real men. Men and women of character need to stand up to what the Democrats are doing and to keep standing because if they've been doing it for 150 years, do you think they're going to get tired in the next 15 minutes? you got to be ready for the long here, not the short. So these Democrats, they want to push executive actions on gun control. It's wrong. It's wrong what they're doing. It's going to get people killed. It's going to get people hurt. It emboldens bad actors. And when I say it emboldens bad actors, I'm not just pulling on a talking point. You know, there's this one time here a couple of years ago, my wife and I went back to Ohio for my mother-in-law's funeral. This was late 2019. It's hard to believe. Coming up in October, it's going to be two years. But we stopped over long enough to switch out. It was late, late, late in the night. Lauren and I were going to switch places. She was going to drive. I was going to try and sleep a little bit because I was just beat. And we pulled off the interstate in the parking lot for this gas station. It wasn't well lit enough, honestly. That was my poor decision-making, poor judgment. I should have been thinking more clearly, but that's part of why we were switching out is because I was so tired. I wasn't thinking terribly clearly. So we go to switch out, and some guy is walking towards us in the dark. And I reach to my waistband to readjust my phone before I've even seen him. My hand is just there on my hip. And of course, it's dark not just for me to see him, it's dark for him to see me. All he sees is that I'm reaching for my waist. I had my big OtterBox phone case on my hip. It probably, in the dark, resembled a lot somebody reaching for a handgun in a holster. He froze mighty quick and backed up and walked a different direction. Do you know why that is? I know why that is. He knows why that is. The Democrats know why that is. If he's black and has a problem with white people now because Democrats for decades have been pushing racial animus as a way of empowering themselves and enslaving black Americans. If he's black and I just reached for my phone because he was walking towards me and I thought he might be about to do something. I'm a racist, right? So the problem is still me. Maybe he was just walking over there to say hello. He's just on a stroll. 11.30 in the evening near Indianapolis, Indiana. I don't know if you know this, but People of all shades of skin can do bad things, can do good things. And being a black man doesn't mean he was meaning us any harm or was going to try something untoward. Me being a white man does not mean my feeling concerned about why he was walking towards us is racist. If the roles were reversed and I were a black husband, my black wife, this trading spots with me. She's going to drive for a while while I sleep and we pull over at a predominantly white area. Some white man starts walking towards us across the parking lot and I get a little jumpy because he doesn't look like super clean cut guy. 
you don't think I'm racist. Not if I'm black and he's white. If I'm white and he's black, the Democrats have conditioned you to assume the worst about me in that scenario. Now, if he does end up being somebody that wants to rob me or threaten me or carjack or hurt my wife and kids or whatever, well, these things happen, right? Except these things don't happen quite so much when the phone on your hip just even looks like it could be a gun. I didn't draw on him and open fire. Hey, 20 feet, bang, 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 bang. I feel threatened. No, I had a phone on my hip. But I realized as quickly as he did an about face, he didn't think that was a phone. He thought it was a gun. And the reason he was looking for a gun while also walking toward me is probably he didn't have the best of intentions and he was going to see what maybe he could pull. Democrats don't want that to be an issue. They want American cities to be target-rich environments, and they've been killing Republicans for a century and a half. And they want to go on killing Republicans and anybody that gets in the way. And you can just call it a random act of violence, but at a certain point, a whole lot of random acts of violence add up to an intentional, deliberate, premeditated Murder, terrorism, intimidation. The Democrats don't think that you should be able to have a firearm to protect yourself because they don't mean you well. Not if you get in the way of their agenda. Not if you think you can win elections. Not if you think that you can outlaw abortion. Not if you think you can lower taxes and deregulate and stand up to hostile foreign actors like China and Iran. They don't think you should be able to win elections unless when you win elections, you're a squishy Republican who just gives them whatever they want anyways. Worthlessly, why did we vote for you? Why did we even put you in there, you lying traitor? You were never with us. You just wanted the prestige. How's that prestige working out for you? If you back down when the Democrats are trying to put me out of work, trying to make illegal the very reasonable, honorable things that I want to do. If I want to speak out against a five-year-old boy or girl being mutilated by doctors, how soon will Democrats say that I need to be threatened? Fines, court fees, jail time, ostracization, put me in the stockade. The whole... The whole town can walk by and throw tomatoes at my face because I said that boys are boys and girls are girls. If the Democrats get their way, that's a hate crime. It's hate speech. You can't talk that way. You can't run for office because we will block you from being able to advertise online and market yourself. And if we can take away your guns, then when the censorship online doesn't do the trick and when the echo chamber in the mainstream news media propaganda machine doesn't work, we'll be able to send a violent rioting mob to destroy your business, to destroy your home, to threaten you in the middle of the night, and there won't be a damn thing you can do about it. That's what we want. We want you exactly where we can control you. And if you have a firearm to defend yourself against supposed random acts of violence, 
angry, violent mobs. They're campaigning for supposed social justice, but it's not really. That's where they want us. We can't allow ourselves to be in that spot. Don't be a squishy Republican. Don't give in and give up and say, well, it's been 15 minutes. I'm tired. No. Right is right and wrong is wrong. In hindsight, how do we feel 150 years on when we read stories like Ron Chernow's grant? He talks about white Democrats. Sometimes they called themselves the KKK. Sometimes they called themselves other things because there was legislation specifically against the KKK. Either way, they were violently attacking, assaulting, and murdering in mass hundreds of black Americans, men, women, and children at a time, butchering them in impotent rage at the fact that if there was equal representation, these black Americans were going to vote Republican. The fundamental character of the Democrat Party has not improved, people. Not in 150 years. It's not better than it was. It's worse than it was. They're worse people, and they're more equipped now than they were. I'm persuaded that they would shake hands with China and Russia and Iran and North Korea if North Korea weren't such a convenient prop. I'm convinced that they would shake hands with them and invite them in. Yeah, you can cross the border with Mexico illegally. Go right ahead as long as you're fleeing whatever, something. As long as you have a reason for coming here, you don't have to tell us what it is. Come on in. As long as you'll vote Democrat, as long as we get power and maintain it at the end of the day, because that's all we care about. That's why when a Republican says, no, that's wrong, what you're doing, it's evil what you're doing, I oppose you manfully, forcefully, persistently. That's why the Democrats respond with accusations of a will to power that is not genuine, because that's how they operate. That's how they think. They're not genuine in their arguments with regards to morality, with regards to Christianity, with regards to helping you. This is about them helping themselves and hubristically, arrogantly doing what's right in their eyes. They haven't changed. But we need to. We need to man up. Put some steel in your spine and prep yourself for the days weeks, months, years, decades ahead to not grow weary in doing good. Continue on in doing good. Persist, persevere, endure. That's all I've got for this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. Your support is a huge encouragement to me. Until next time, thank you and God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com.